You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. You know what I want? Hey, that's um, that's pretty bad. 108 to 100. The Raptors lose against the Los Angeles Clippers, against Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Ivica Zubac, all those guys. And they do it on, I think, a pretty disappointing performance. As far as this game goes, I think the Raptors opened it up the way they wanted to for the most part. But overall, the speed of the game, the physicality of the game ended up being quite advantageous for the Clippers, and especially as they were able to succeed within it. The Raptors not getting into transition very often. When they did get in transition, they weren't clinical. The Clippers were the opposite, getting into transition, scoring quite well in it. The Raptors, as far as what shot profile they're achieving throughout this game, they're being funneled to the spots that the Clippers are a little bit more comfortable with. The Raptors against the Clippers not succeeding in the same way. There's a disparity in free throws. There's a disparity in rim attempts. There's a huge disparity as far as that type of scoring. And the Raptors felt that dearly in this game. A lot of that had to do with the lack of spacing. As far as it goes with Jakob Pertl coming onto the team, it does introduce new complexities to the offense. You're looking at a team that used to play not not necessarily a shooter at the five, depending on whether you think it's OG, Pascal, or Scotty, night to night, or Precious Achua, right? But somebody who provides at least a little bit more of the traditional shooting spacing um, than Jakob Pertl. And Jakob Pertl brings a ton to the Raptors. They're no doubt a better team with him, but Scotty and Pascal in particular have to figure out how to work within these confines a little bit better when they're sharing the floor. Fred Van Vliet has obviously, he's succeeded immensely. He's had a great time using him as a screening partner. He's been, his playmaking has certainly take, been ticking upwards since he arrived. But the Raptors, for the most part, their shooting has been something that's kind of popped up. And when they can't dominate the inside, and especially defensively with Jakob Pertl, like that, this gets to the point, right? The Raptors struggled offensively in this game, scoring 100 points. They've struggled offensively in quite a few games, but the main thing here is that the Clippers scored 17 points in the first quarter. The Raptors did a really great job of funneling into size and containing dribble penetration when available. You know, the help side rotations and stuff like that are important. But when you don't have to do that stuff and it's just all a little bit simpler, like Jakob Pertl's deep in the paint because he's guarding Zubats, he finds a way to kind of be funneled to step up in the lane and you have a guy maybe tag or the way you're defending the on-ball defender allows for a short mid-range if they fade to the right, but you're also kind of blanketing a drop-off pass to the big man in the dunker spot. Like These are things that the Raptors were doing quite well in the first quarter. They didn't have to be all over the place, but that faded over the course of the game, and especially in the second and the third quarter, the Raptors struggled immensely to get stops, and actually through most of the fourth quarter as well before their late charge, they struggled to get stops, 
They couldn't contain dribble penetration, and they allowed a ton of looks and good ones. And you're just not going to come back from that. The Raptors, they that was where they lost the game, both sides of the court. Not shooting well offensively, not getting to the rim either. You have to supplement somewhere. If you're not doing either of those things, you hope to see a decent amount of free throws. That's not really this game either. All this stuff creates an environment where the Raptors aren't going to win. And in this game, they obviously didn't win. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, Samson Folk. And it is, of course, brought to you by Goldfinger Law. And hey, here's the deal with Goldfinger Law. The, the great part about it. You only pay if you win. If you lose, don't worry about it. On the house. And of course, that's not great. But it's better than paying to lose. You know what I mean? If you're interested, 416-730-1777. Okay, so the Raptors, they staged one of their famous fake comebacks you know that's the the colloquialism that's these are the terms that are popular with the team currently it's it's a fake comeback and certainly it is the raptors this messy gunked up game that they play down the stretch wherein you know pascal siakam and scotty barnes both are missing a ton of shots and they both missed a ton of shots throughout this game pascal shooting nine for 21 in this game scotty shooting six for 21 both ending up with 20 points and leading the raptors in scoring but the Raptors, as far as efficient offense, you have to be able to get there somewhere else. Lewis and I talked about this. The low-hanging fruit that Jakob Pertl has been eating, just feasting on in these past games, it isn't as available in this one because Zubats is a much bigger presence in this game. You get 27 minutes out of him. He plays really good defense on Jakob Pertl. And then elsewhere... You're looking at a guy like Terrence Mann coming off the bench, Eric Gordon coming off the bench, Plumlee giving you some good minutes. So the Raptors, they had a tough time taking advantage of a front court that was only available to them for a certain portions of the game. But even in those, I guess, more available portions where they might have been able to glean advantage and get to the rim, sure, Pascal has a nice scoring third quarter, and and some of it's against Zubats, some of it isn't. But the Raptors, they just weren't able to figure out during this one. And especially down, down the stretch, they scored a little bit, mostly on offensive rebounds, really getting after it. Scotty in particular, right? Getting to his own miss, putting it back, getting to his own miss again, finding OG above the break for a three, like that mad dash late offense that they found. It's not dependable. And with that lack of spacing, running these side out plays where, you know, the ball goes out to Gary Trent Jr. And Pascal runs above the break and it's, hey, flatten everything out. Let's see if we can get a bucket. And and he tries to operate in the same way that Scott has been trying to operate. He, you know, throws something up, chases the board, tries to tap it in. Scotty tries to tap it in as well. The ball heads out towards half court. The Clippers grab it. It's like, this is not good offense. And it's not like the Raptors have a bunch of guys they can just turn to and say, hey, give us good offense, create that in a pinch. But it's this is where we are. This is why they couldn't close out this game and also the lack of defense through the middle, the middle parts of the game as well. If they were able to lock up throughout, then this is simple. Then this is easy. But that's obviously kind of a Herculean task when it comes to containing Kawhi containing Paul George and the plethora of guys who fill out a very, very deep Clippers team. This is something that if Pirtle wasn't here, I think would have been exacerbated quite a bit with the Raptors. But even still, the Raptors have a tough time guarding deep teams because there's typically more shooting on the floor, right? 
And the Raptors are very good at funneling the ball out of Star's hands. But if it funnels into the right hands elsewhere, it's just not going to work. And Pirtle does simplify that because the funneling is a little bit easier. They don't have to be as aggressive because they have a much better back line. But in this one, you just see guys are able to plug in, find space, either as shooters or out in transition or as cutters. It's just the Raptors weren't able to keep the lid on the Clippers in this one. And that re- that really is too bad because this is, this is, they have to find a calling card. And they currently, throughout games, sometimes they haven't, sure. But it just has to be present, game in and game out. Positives, Pascal had a good third quarter. There was some really nice manipulation out of the pick and roll. This, for a guy who's an all-NBA player, twice, two-time all-star, this can't be like, you know, an, an interesting new thing that he does. Pascal has to develop chemistry with Pirtle and fast. They have to make that work. They have to make it more tenable. That's that's something that has to come along. Scotty, he's not held to the same, you know, expectations as Pascal. Scotty isn't given the same amount of reps, hasn't had the same amount over years. Scotty has time to figure out the nuances of the pick and roll and how he can kind of work in it to maximize his strengths. But Pascal, this is something we need. We The Raptors, if they want to win more games down the stretch, this is something that has to develop quicker. This is something that they have to find the rhythm, they have to find the pacing, and they have to be able to play off of each other in a little bit better capacity. And the third quarter burst was nice. Thank you for that, Pascal. But there was a lot of this game where he's operating in those isolations and he's just not getting to his spots, right? And he's pulling up short a little bit, focusing on the jump shot when sometimes it looks like he might be able to burst to the rim. Or in other cases, he doesn't have the burst that he used to, so he gets mucky at the rim. You get like a highly contested push shot or he's pulling up from maybe between 17 and 13 feet or something like that. Typically, you want him in the, let's say, like eight feet to 15 feet range, somewhere in there. And that's where you'll get a higher percentage of makes and he can kind of get into rhythm. But in this game, he found the rhythm for a short amount of time, but it didn't last throughout. So, yeah, like a nice third quarter, that's fine. Scotty down the stretch was really aggressive, really tenacious. You want to see that throughout, of course, um, although it wasn't. But the fourth quarter, Scotty thing. Um, King of the fourth, that kind of stuff that continues to go forward. Fred, I thought the playmaking was impressive once again. Um, nine assists to zero turnovers. The the pick and roll playmaking is really ticked up, as I talked about earlier. And OG, I thought was great. His defense was really, really fantastic. Throughout the night, I thought that he was by far the most impressive of the guys guarding the wings on the other end. Pascal, I thought, man, he struggled guarding Kawhi. Or PG in this game. Scotty definitely struggled. You know, playing high. The Raptors, as far as like no middle, you can always make the case that somebody's being funneled. But Scotty, as far as a guy who's like getting blown by and doing the James Harden like reach around before not following up on the play, applying that pressure from behind, that's not funneling. That's just getting beat. And and, and it's it's tough to see that from him because that's something we see a lot of. And you know, whether that's a coaching staff putting him in positions where he's ill-equipped to stay in front of guys. We've seen this, man, time and time again. And, and the disappointing thing with Pascal is that 
Pascal is a more gifted mover than Scotty. He's side to side. He's way quicker, right? He's much, he, he can move his feet better. His, he doesn't have the high hips. He can swivel a little bit faster. And sometimes it seems like, you know, in games like this, you can see the effort where Kawhi, they ran that little, it was like a pick and roll on the, a side pick and roll. And Fred and Pascal, they miscommunicated because I maybe Siakam felt like Fred was supposed to switch it. Kawhi comes around the corner, Fred dunk. That to me, I doubt that Fred is supposed to switch that. It seems like Pascal was like, damn it, I don't want to like snake around this this pick and try and keep up and wall Kawhi off. And so he was like, yeah, just switch it. And, and I don't think that was the scheme there. I don't think that was, I don't think that was a fair ask of Fred, like in a snap. And so, you know, Pascal, I think. And so miscommunications like that are tough. That's a part of defense is guys breaking scheme when they're not capable of keeping up or they don't feel like they want to with it for that play. Guys take plays off. In this game, I saw Siakam take plays off. So he and Scotty, I thought, struggled a lot defensively in this game. Jakob, he didn't boss, like he didn't boss his matchup or anything like that. Zubats did a pretty good job. But for the most part, the lack of shooting in this one, the lack of compete on defense throughout the middle. Even though the Raptors, they go 13 of 22, right? You you got Scotty who goes two for four. You have Fred goes three for eight. Chris Boucher goes two for four. Like, And OG, most importantly, goes four for seven. But some of that is just like in a flurry. Um, Pascal one for three, right? But the Raptors, as far as dependable shooting, spacing the four, greasing the wheels of the rest of the actions they want to run in this game, that really wasn't the case. And, and that was disappointing. Probably the most encouraging aspect of this game was OG's defense and his shooting in this one. And Chris Boucher giving you 14 and 6. He's been on, man, a really, really strong run. It, he's really found his stride. He's been shooting it well. The energy is always there game to game. And so, yeah, I'll just give him the Reggie Evans Award. I thought that Boucher, palpable, palpable effort in this game. And so I was impressed with that. And so Reggie Evans Award goes to Chris Boucher in, in a game where, like, sure, the Raptors had pockets where they really gave it their all. And especially that opening defense, I thought was, man, uh, really, really impressive. But it just, it wasn't there. Top quick reaction comment is from Lee's. Hey, Lise, hope you're doing well. Quote, it's becoming increasingly clear that Pascal, bless his heart, simply isn't a first option on a team with title contention aspirations. First options come alive in fourth quarters and get you easy buckets in crunch time. Pascal's not up to that task. Scotty is having growing pains, but he's showing glimpses that he could become that first option down the road, provided he puts in a lot of work on his shot. But we need a true number one option so that everyone can slide down one rung on the ladder. End quote. So this is kind of an interesting thing that's talked about by a number of fan bases, right? Is like easy buckets in crunch time. Any um, analysis of good crunch time offenses is never really built around a bunch of, hmm, how do I put this? It's not built around shot making from one player. It's built around event creation, typically. Good clutch time offenses have a multitude of impact players cutting, rebounding, spot-up shooting, some pull-up shooting, some creation like that, right? Um, that's how most teams who have good clutch time offenses achieve it, rather than just like strictly shot-making, for example. Pascal is a guy who, depending on the matchup, 
has been able to provide the requisite amount of event creation. However, I don't think that this is true against every single defense. And probably most people, I think, would say isn't true against enough defenses. And you probably wanted it to be true against these Clippers. For example, last year, Pascal, the Raptors beat the Clippers down the stretch, right? And they did so by repeatedly getting, a on December 28th of 2021, repeatedly getting a, I think, repeatedly getting a switch on Pascal Siakam and baiting the help or allowing him to eat in in isolation. And that was good enough for that game. Against the Clippers at that point were an extremely good defensive team. Um, But in this game, he didn't. They weren't able to do it. There was less shooting on the floor. There was less space. The Clippers were more comfortable waiting down by the block and playing him straight up and knowing that like if he gets all the way to the rim, we can send help. Um, so Scotty, I mean, I hope Scotty becomes that. It's really tough to become that though because you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, his fan base for the longest time said he wasn't that. The league said he wasn't that, right? And still to this day, I mean, even this year, his true shooting percentage in the clutch is horrible. He struggles at it um, to score in the clutch. And, and the Bucks as a whole do. And as far as like being a team that achieves down the stretch, you have to be clever and you have to be really smart about how you attack these offensive possessions and, you know, really utilize the talent on the court to kind of leverage your advantages. The Raptors are extremely bland in their approach and you could see it in this game. They're just having Scotty and Pascal ram their way to the rim and try and get offensive rebounds. That is not going to work at the NBA level. And certainly, I mean, the Raptors have found some success in some games, but that's not going to cut it. Um, As far as guys who would knock him down the ladder, you're basically talking about, you know, all NBA players then. And there's 15 15 of those guys every year. If there's a guy who's available that the Raptors could get and you think that could happen, um, in the comments, anybody, man, I'd love to see who people think is like the guy who fixes clutch time offense for the Raptors. And if he's gettable, I would, I would love to see that. Um, but it's, it's, it's accurate. Pascal, he, he wasn't able to do it down the stretch in this game. He hasn't been able to do it down the stretch in many games. And, and as I said before, he wasn't able to do it throughout this game the way that he needed to. And, and that's been something that's been happening more often lately. Um, the burst isn't there. His free throw rate has gone down. He's been able to kind of stay afloat with a little bit of a bump from shooting from beyond the arc. But for the most part, he's not getting to as dangerous spots on the floor. It, the value in his playmaking has dipped a little bit. And a lot of it is tied to his ability to beat guys with his burst and his handle, right? And so that happened a couple times in this game. But for the most part in this game and over the past few weeks, he's really struggled. And so the Raptors couldn't bank on him to create, um, it, well, for outcomes. They they tried to bank on him down the stretch of this one, and it didn't work. I'd love, and I mean love, if the Raptors got a better player than Pascal Siakam in-house and simplified all of it. With Scotty, man, I hope he grows into it. It's really, really tough. There are guys who... I mean, every fan base in the NBA complains about their guy. And some of the best players of all time 
were constantly levied with the can't do it down the stretch accusations, allegations, right? LeBron James heard it all the time for years and is one of the best players, if not the best player to ever grace the NBA court, a, a court in basketball, right? And so I, I'd, I'd be curious to see who people think is like gettable and fixes the Raptors clutch time offense. But it's it's easy to say this guy isn't the guy to save us. Every team, basically every team says that. You know, Steph Curry, people said, couldn't close games. You know, Demonis Sabonis, people complain about him. They're the two seed in the West, right? Jokic, people complain about his passivity. Raptors fans, just because of how he played against them, they were like, oh yeah, this guy can't lead the Nuggets to a championship. It, the complaints come for everybody. And when you're a fan of a team, you see a player fail over and over and over again because that's what it is, clutch time offense. It's just failing. And um, we've seen Pascal fail a lot. And there's certainly guys who would fail less. And it, and if Pascal played next to them, he would succeed a lot more. Um, yeah, I'd love to see him play with somebody better. Um, that would be awesome. I, I don't think anybody, I don't know anybody who thinks that Pascal is the number one option um, to lead the Raptors to a championship. Uh, I, I I really don't think so. I thought that the best case scenario this season was like a, a second round exit. Probably. I, I didn't think Western or Eastern conference finals or anything like that. Um, it, they, they don't look like they'll win a, a series this year either. But I think the point is that Pascal is a really great player. You keep on the team and yeah, it, if people want him to be a number one option for a championship level team, he's not that. And, and that's fine. Because you need number two options. You need all these other types of things. And you need good players. The Raptors, I mean, some of the best teams that have ever won, they've had number one options playing as number twos. They've had num number three options playing as twos. They've had all types of, you know, it feels redundant to talk about it. And like, he's a one guy, a two guy, or a three guy. It's, it doesn't really, um, in my mind, it doesn't really makes sense for basketball because the number one guy historically has been, I guess, like in the past decade, what there's four or five of them. They basically you're there's in every draft, there's not a number one guy for a championship in every three drafts. There might not be a number one guy, you know, every four or five, maybe sometimes you get two in one draft. It's just like these guys don't come along very often. You have to try and compile a very impressive team so that you're ready for when they do. Pascal being the guy to lead the Raptors to a championship? Um, no, I don't know anybody who thinks that. However, I know a lot of people who think he could be really, really important, a number two, a number three, whatever, on a team that wins a championship. And so all the struggles now hopefully mean something more for his career when he is playing next to, if he ever gets to, because not everybody gets to, next to a guy who can lead a team to a championship because they're few and far between. Anyway, I've been ranting. Lee's, thank you for writing in. Um, I hope Pascal plays better down the stretch of this season. He's been relative to his own expectations, probably relative to the standard set. Poor. Let's hope it gets better. Thanks to everybody who is tuning in um, on YouTube. Make sure to like the video and subscribe. Um, the most important is to subscribe over at raptorsrepublic.com. And if you're listening on the podcast channel, thanks for letting me chop it up with you. 
I've been Samson Folk, and whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.